it's showtime. Keep going like this, no time. Spit more rhymes, spit more rhymes. It's Wednesday, September 26, 2018, and this is Showtime Sports Talk here with Welch and Suggs. Um, today's talk will be a lot about football, and that's about all we're going to be talking about is football. So let's get into this thing. Is there anything else going on? Uh, I don't know. That's all I care about, and that's all we're going to talk about. <laughs> well, besides LeBron's shoes, but we're not going to get into that today. So uh, number one that we have to start out with today will be Oklahoma after the Army game. A little overtime action. Where do you... How does that even happen? Okay, we've come into a we've come into an era of football where we look at these games and we think, well, how does that happen? It wasn't too long ago that these games happened and people were just like, well, you know, yeah, you almost got upset. You got to watch out. You know, it was just the way it was. I mean, last and especially for Oklahoma, Oklahoma always has a game like this. Last year, last year they ended up they ended up losing. They got beat by Iowa State. But still, it is a two and one army. Who? Okay. I mean, can you? There ever... are certain teams that if I'm if I'm scheduling games and this is supposed to be like a, a gimme win, there are certain teams that I don't want to schedule. Appalachian State's one of those teams. Without a doubt, they're a great football team. And everybody and Troy. I mean, Troy is one of those for me. Another one of the. Those teams is any of the service schools. For some reason, I feel like they are terrible football teams. But when they when they go, they know they're about to get okay, slaughtered. Well, they come out and play. One thing you got, they run that dang triple option. Okay, that is so hard to prepare for, and it takes a really disciplined team to run that triple option. Well, ain't nobody more disciplined than service school. But still, an overtime victory, barely winning it. I mean. How do you come back from a close one like that? Uh, the same way they came back last year from a loss to Iowa State. They ran the table, got to the college football playoff, and probably should have beat Georgia. You know, we won't, <laughs> we won't, we won't get, we won't dig that back up. Maybe cry a little bit, but uh, you know, they've they've been here before. You know, last year they played Baylor, an all pretty awful Baylor team, and Baylor almost beat them. You know they didn't though they pulled out the win. It, I wouldn't worry about it. Now unless unless we start getting into the next four weeks and they start playing like that every week, which I don't think is going to happen because you've got right now uh, who I consider could be the Heisman front runner or at least he's at least in the top two or three at your quarterback. From what I'm looking at, it looks like they might have a bye week this week. Is that correct? Oh gosh. I think. It <laughs> How is. are they going to prepare for that? I know. So apparently. Uh, I guess we kind of sound stupid then. I mean, I don't, I don't think, I. I don't know. That's a whole week they've got to think about. Whole two weeks they've got to sit there and think about almost losing to an army team. And that bye week's tough too. I, I'm not gonna lie, a bye week is tough because you got to worry about beating yourself. I mean, we've seen it before. Um, but to answer your question, I don't see it as a big problem. Uh, like I said, Kyler Murray, one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Lincoln Riley. Really big Lincoln Riley fan. Really big fan of his offense. I think there was a reason Bob Stoops stepped down when he. All right, did. I'm gonna stop you right there. Just just because you were bringing up Lincoln Riley, on to head coaches. What about Scott Frost in Nebraska, man? <laughs> oh and three. Oh and three for the first time since 1945. Last year they were four and eight. Can they even go four and eight this year? Here's what's bad. Before the season, I felt like telling my friends that I thought I saw Nebraska as a sleeper pick in the Big Ten. And he he did. Say that, like I, I won't, I will vouch for him. He thought they were. But I didn't go, I didn't go on record, you know, saying it. You know, I didn't put it down in writing, so I feel. <laughs> I, there was at one point that I kind of agreed with him because I've always thought Scott Frost is a pretty good coach. 
I, I really love what now, he did yeah, with UCF. Let, let's get that. First of all, this is not an indictment on Scott Frost. Okay, he's not. Uh, there shouldn't be no rumblings of him being fired or anything. He took over a bad situation. Okay, I mean, yeah, four and eight last season. Nebraska, that's bad. Nebraska was a bad program. They they were kind of faltering under Pelini, and they fired him, and they hired Mike Riley, who really let it go. So he's taken over a bad situation. I didn't see it going the way it is, and now I don't really. I haven't. I watched the first game against Colorado, which was a pretty good game. They ended up losing pretty close at the end. Their true freshman quarterback got hurt. He's their only scholarship quarterback. I think he's still been playing these past two weeks, but if he is playing, he's he's hurt. He's playing hurt. He's a true freshman. So if you're a true freshman playing hurt, that has a lot to do with it. But I'm not I'm not gonna when you're playing Michigan, there's you should not if the other team has more points than you do total yards in the third quarter, you've got problems and you've got to figure he's gotta find a quick fix, especially when you're an offensive guy. So I to go with that. Not, not even not in, that. They got beat twenty four nineteen by Troy. That's led by a first year quarterback. Hey, shout out two five six Caleb Barker. I mean, I I've always thought Caleb Barker was a pretty good quarterback, but this is his first year leading that team. There's no way they should have came in there and upset Nebraska at Nebraska's house. I mean that. I don't know. I feel for him because I feel like there's a lot of people calling for his head, and he's a great coach, and he'd come into a bad opportunity. But I mean. Actually, you know, going – and I, I haven't really been paying attention. Obviously, I'm not a Nebraska fan. But uh, I don't I don't really know that people are really calling for his head because coming in, he was so hyped up and people fans were so excited. I have a bad feeling that they've turned on him. I mean, I have a hard time believing that they would have turned on him that quick. But, you know, he does need to get – you know, it's my biggest thing was the game against Michigan. Not really the loss to Troy. LSU lost to Troy last year. I mean, like you said, Troy can be one of those sleeper teams if you're not careful. But to me, was the Michigan loss, and it's not how they lost it, it's what happened during the game. I mean, when you're – when another team has, like I said, more points than you have total yards, that's an issue. That's a big issue, especially when it's a Michigan team that's not, like, very dynamic on the offensive side of the I ball. think Michigan is quite awful this year. I think we have different opinions on that. But I, mm-hmm. after watching that Notre Dame game with them, I, the Michigan might be one of the worst besides Florida State <laughs> and Nebraska, I get. But Michigan is terrible. <laughs> At least Florida State has a win, uh, big win true. over Sanford. Um, now, on with that, we're going to get into the Ohio State with Urban Meyer back. Oh, here um, we go. I've been can, waiting for this game all season. Can can the dominance continue through the backlash? I mean, uh, it's insane to me. Right now, I'm, I'm looking at ESPN, and it's saying they're a three-and-a-half point spread over Penn State. But also, on the same page, the football power index has missed – as Penn State winning by 53.6% over Ohio State. Sounds like a rivalry game to me. I, I know it's a rivalry game. Well, here, here's where a lot of that coming from. If, if you were to tell me, Caleb, what is your top – what do you think is the top five toughest places to play in college football? I would definitely put Happy Valley in the top five, especially when it's a night game. That's a tough place to play. And if you look past, if you look back, I'm tongue tied. If you look back at the past few years, I think you know Happy Valley has to be one of the top five toughest places to play. Uh, when you look back at it, I think this is really where I was at. Um, 
when you look at the Ohio State Penn State games, was just take it back at Urban Meyer's career. Okay, 2013 was a home game. 2015 were a home game. Those were both blowout wins. Last year, Penn State comes in number two, and they build a big lead. Ohio State makes a big comeback, gets the win. But let's look at it when they play at Penn State. 2014, against their not very good Penn State team, they went into overtime and barely pulled out the win. Ohio State goes on to win the national championship. 2016, they get that big loss. They Penn State blocks the kick. Ohio State loses. Penn State goes on to win the Big Ten championship, but Ohio State goes to the playoff and loses by 31 to Clemson. Man, you sound like you might be a slight fan of one of these teams. I'm not. I'm not a slight fan of either of these teams. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm a slight dis fan of something one of their head coaches has done. This is coming from a guy who loved Ohio State up until recently, but. We'll get into that here in a minute, too, because we have different opinions on that scenario. Um, but back to the whole who's going to win this game or whatnot, I'm not trying to discredit Appalachian State at all. But when you go in, when, when they come into your house and you only beat them in overtime by seven, I just have a hard time believing that you can go on and beat Ohio State as dominant as they are. But there again, I'm looking at the stats. We've got both of them scoring 55 points a game. Both of them are only allowing 19 points a game. They're both averaging, well, Ohio State's averaging 600 yards, Penn State's averaging 515. Yards allowed, it's a little less on Ohio State. I mean, it's it's a pretty good matchup. And When I look at it, I mean, obviously coming in here another season, I was I had Penn State in my playoffs, so I was big on Penn State. I was big on Trace McSorley. Um, I would just like to go on the record and say, as of 7-14-2018, I made a bold prediction that Penn State was not going to be in the top ten at the end of the season. I just want everybody to hear that right now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, though, we all know that I was big into Penn State. <clears throat> I feel like I'm the only one that's picked Penn State to win this week, and that's fine with me because, you know, if they win, that just makes me look good. It's just crazy to me. You just got to think about all the backlash that's been on these two universities. You know, you got one whose head coach is going through some crap right Ooh, now. Let's not, let's, and let's, then you got let's Penn not dig State. Up, no, 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 no. So let's Penn not, State let's bathroom. Not dig I mean, that, let's not this dig is that just up. all sorts of like a, Ooh, a delinquent bowl. Let's, let's, but we're talking about now. Right I, I, I get – well, the present is the whole head coach thing, and I know you disagree with the whole scenario – and I might take something for this if anybody actually listens to this. But I honestly, I don't – everybody's making more of, a, more of a thing about it than they should. He is a college football coach. He's not a pope. I mean, the dude tried. He tried to give somebody a second chance. And I think, honestly, everybody deserves a second chance. But I, you, you got to quit bringing it up. It's over with. He, he took his punishment. I mean, everybody thinks it was too light. But in all reality, he missed three games. That's that's a pretty hefty punishment for a college football coach to miss three games with your team. I just I don't think it was as bad as people made it out to be. And I, I get where they they think he was kind of shrugish about everything, and he just tried to give somebody a second chance when they made a mistake. So I don't know. But moving on from that, we're gonna go on to Clemson here. Gosh, man, we didn't even talk about the actual game. We don't even need to talk about the actual game. You made sure to bring up all the past stats there, so I'm pretty sure we know where you stand on that. Well, let's go. Let's go with it. Why you, why you want to talk about it? We're going to hold off on Clemson. We'll go back to Ohio State, Penn State. No, I feel like I'm in trouble. Like, all okay, right. we'll do this for you, Suggs. Uh, it's the right. biggest game of the weekend. And, it's and one of the biggest I, games of the I, season. I will say it's your number two game when your top five college games of the season that you picked a long time ago. So, 
And every year, you come to me and say, hey, we got to watch this on your TV because it looks good and it looks Because cool you have a 75-inch TV. we got to watch so, every game on your TV, except for Auburn games. We yeah, don't watch we Auburn. watch Auburn games, too. So, <laughs> not, even Auburn, not even Auburn games against blowout like teams. Like it, No Auburn games at all because oh. they just play bad when we watch it on your TV. Okay, so, all right, we'll get into it. What do, you, what do you think the outcome is? Who do you think wins? I think Penn State wins. How much? I don't know. What's I your feel opinion? like you don't really care about my opinion. No, I, I really do because we have different opinions. It's the only reason I try to get out of this because we specifically talked about before the show started we weren't going to yell at each other over arguing. But I guess that kind of is our thing, so let's go ahead and do it. I think Ohio State wins by at least 14. Okay, and I'm fine. You know, people just have differing opinions. Like you said, I've always been a big fan of Ohio State. But I've kind of, in the ever since they won the national championship, I feel like every year we look at Ohio State, they've got so much talent. You know, they're kind of like Alabama. They've got tons of talent, but it just doesn't materialize. Now, when I say it doesn't materialize, obviously they're getting to the college football playoff and they're getting to the Big Ten championship. But I feel like they're not beating teams that they should be beating. I, you know how my opinion is on the past of Ohio State. I hate them. I've always have. I, I like Urban Meyer. I've always liked him as a coach. I just – I. I don't like Ohio State. I mean, every year you talk about how good they are or something, and I always bash you for it. Well, see, and now but we're here, we're, and we're on the opposite, opposite ends of the sides. <laughs> Mainly because I feel like Penn State is always overrated. Always. And even worse than Ohio State is. And one of the reasons that I'm big on Ohio State is they actually have talent this year, in my mind. They don't have a 40-year-old quarterback that's been playing quarterback since I was in first grade. But... I have Penn State picked in preseason. And after the first week, I might have switched that until I watched Ohio State play TCU. And I don't really feel like that was a very great TCU team, especially after they got whipped by Texas last week. Man, let me tell you, I had TCU winning by 14 on it, too. But so I'm sorry, Ohio State, if you lose this game because of me. Watching Ohio State play TCU, I didn't – I mean, I just didn't feel like they were a great team. Now, here's where here's where we're going to get – There's. it's going to split – this is going to be a great game. It's going to be a close game, I feel like. And it's going to come down the wire. Can, 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 I, can I pause you for a second? Um, you, you say the TCU game, they didn't look like a great team. But Ohio State's never been, really been known for a great defense. And I, I feel like their offense was just as good as always. It's just TCU's offense was pretty good too, which because they are. A TCU does have a really good offense. So they made some big plays, and they kept it kind of close. I'm not really a believer in TCU's offense. I know they had that really great year with Trayvon Boykin in 2014. Yeah. But- and, and I feel like every year since then they've been digressing. And with Kenny Hill, they were okay. But, I mean, they're, they're not a bad Trilla team. And but I, I, I guess, watched them against Texas. I mean, they looked bad against yeah, I Texas. Just, I avoided that game because I think Texas – And this is a Texas team that we thought was awful. I, 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 I agree with your statement there. As they're they're not as going, good on Going offense. back to Ohio State and Penn State, you know, like I said, it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a close game. I go. I'm going with Penn State because I believe Penn State is that great offensively, and I believe they have the more seasoned and battle-tested quarterback in Trace McSorley. McSorley was a guy that has my preseason Heisman Trophy winner. You know, I really think when you, and people think oh they lost Saquon Barkley. Well, if you actually go back and look at the stats, Saquon Barkley in big games was really not that great. Against Ohio State last year, he had 66 yards rushing. Uh, against in the bowl game last year, he had a little bit over 100, but he had 99 on one run. 
seven, and he has like thirty on the re- on the rest of his carries. It when you look at it, Trace McSorley is the one that steps up in big games, throwing for, and he he's just they've got a high flying offense with him, and he's been there, he's done this before, he's beaten teams like Ohio State, and like I said, my biggest reason is their offense, and this game is at Penn State. If this was at Ohio State, I wouldn't be picking Penn State, but it is at Penn State, and that's why I'm going with Penn State. Now on the flip side of that, I don't really think Penn State's defense is that great. And that could be their undoing because um, Ohio State is good offensively. But at the same time, I don't really think Ohio State defense is that great, and especially now that they've lost Nick Boza at defensive end, which is a huge loss. For, for once in my life, I'm actually going to say that I, I agree with you, honestly. Um, I do think it's going to be a barn burner because I don't think Penn State's very good on defense, but at the same time, I don't think Ohio State's very good at defense. Um my kind of games, though. Yeah, yeah, we do like offensive games, especially when we're playing Madden. Um, but on a side note, right before we hit our next topic, I just want to mention, um, for those of you who don't realize this already, Suggs is definitely the football guy. I'm just the I like to argue guy, and I want to make some topics, and I do my research and I have notes. Everything Suggs just said came straight out of his head. His notes are just some uh, chicken scratch that you can't read and have no actual notes. So, for those of you who want to listen for football, go ahead. But you should just listen because the fact that Suggs knows all the stats, that's a really good reason to listen. All right. Thanks, buddy. I just – I was I was just sitting – that's what made me start changing my mind. I just decided, well, if he knows all of this, maybe I should sit back and just listen and take it in for a minute. But – um. So our next topic, after we're 10 minutes past our allotted time for that topic, um, we've got the Clemson quarterback, uh, Kelly Bryant. Uh, where will he end up? And is Trevor Lawrence what Clemson needed to overcome Alabama from? Again. So when I say this, it's probably going to come out kind of like uh, I'm a hypocrite because my first thing is I think Kelly Bryant's a good quarterback. I don't think he's a great quarterback. I think he's a good quarterback. He's good. He's going to be good in somebody else's system. Now, that being said, I do think Clemson made the right move. And I said this in preseason. We, we both talked about this. Um, when, you've got a, when you've got a freshman quarterback that's coming in every three series or whatever, and every time he touches the ball just about, he's scoring a touchdown, it's, it's hard for me not to say you need to put that guy in. When Kelly Bryant, it, sometimes it felt like the wheels were just turning. And I, I, I don't – before this, we talked about it, and I said I, I don't think Kelly Bryant's a good quarterback, and I, I'm not going to say that I don't think he's a good quarterback. I just don't believe he fits Dabo no, at all. At all. And he don't he doesn't fit their system. You know, I had Clemson as my preseason national championship pick, but that was going off of Trevor Lawrence being living up to the hype and being their quarterback. Because and I will say he, I think he does. He's pretty good. Clemson's offense is based off of they want to throw the ball. They're wide receiver. You, they've got the best receivers in the country. I mean, you've got to be able to utilize him. Kelly Bryant can't utilize I mean, he's not a terrible thrower. He can make throws, but his big thing is the read option and running the football. That's not what they need. They need someone that can stretch the field, get it to T. Higgins, get it to Justin Ross, get it to Amari Rogers, or whoever, whatever five-star he wants to throw it to, because they got about four or five that they can throw it to. Not to mention, they got Hunter Renfro, who's the former walk-on, who's going to be a future New England Patriot. <laughs> so they have to. Trevor Lawrence is just the best fit to you to. Uh, get the best out of their offense. And going back to what you said, is Trevor Lawrence what 
Clemson needs to knock off Alabama, yes, if they're going to have a chance and not – I mean, we've seen it. I mean, I mean, from a guy – I'm an Auburn fan, don't get me wrong, but my favorite team to watch right now is Alabama. Tua, however the heck you say his last name. Tonga Viola. I'm not even going to try it because I can barely talk with my accent. So, what, I love watching – I love watching Alabama. All right. I can honestly say before they made the announcement that Trevor Lawrence was going to be the starter, I didn't think Clemson was going to have a chance if they make it to the playoffs and they play each other. But now I actually can see it. It's going to be one of those games where they're both going to be just throwing the ball everywhere because from right now Alabama doesn't look like they can run that well. And Clemson, they're not going to run on Alabama. So that's I think Trevor Lawrence is their best chance to overcome. Do I think they can? Not this year. No, not with a freshman quarterback, I don't. But that's just my opinion, and I, I do believe there's a lot of people out there that think they can because I don't think this is the best Alabama team in the past. And I know there's some people that think that now just because they can actually throw the ball now, but look at their run stats. I, I get in the second half of these blowouts, they're starting to make it look like they're still running the ball the same. But if you look at their first half stats when they still have the starters in just, versus the starters, they're just not getting Just the same to back him up on that, when we were watching the Alabama Texas AM game, I know I started noticing that. And I asked my friend who's an Alabama fan that was watching it with me, and we was about two minutes left to go in the third quarter. I said, How many yards rushing do y'all have? And he looked and he said, We have forty six. And that was with two minutes left to go in the third quarter. I mean, when was the last time you saw Alabama that didn't have a hundred like had, the first quarter? They had hundred and nine total the whole game. I mean, that's just insane to me. But back to the whole Clemson quarterback situation with Kelly Bryant. Um, this episode, we're going to have a little Suggs top five transfer destinations for Kelly Bryant. So let's hear him. And like I said, I think Kelly Bryant's a good quarterback. So I don't think this is a situation where he can only go to some you know lower level schools. I think he has a few top options that he can choose and possibly go to a school that can contend for a national championship next year. And before you get into that, I, I do believe from Kelly Bryant's aspect today when he came out and made a statement, he, he said he just felt like he was slapped in the face over the whole situation. Well, to, to make it to the NFL, he's got to understand, he's got to go to a team not only that fits him, but also that contends. Because if you just go to another low-level school, that, that really hurts your chances. I get you've been on a national championship team here, but you haven't just hugely made it that big of an impact. So you've got to go somewhere that's a contender and show that you can make an impact on it for you to be looked at as an NFL player. With that being said... I, think I see it. I see it in both ways. I I can get where he says he feels like he's slapped in the face, because ever since the season started, they automatically were putting Trevor Lawrence in every game. Yeah, yeah. They never really get. And and another big thing was in that Texas A&M game on the road. Kelly Bryant was the guy they went to at the end of that game when they needed to ice it, when they needed yeah. big plays, and he let he and he he got them the win. But one thing that I I really applaud Dabo for on the whole situation is the fact that he didn't wait until two or three more games down the road. Uh, he, he gave him he a chance gave to him leave. He gave him a chance to leave by telling him today or this weekend that if hey, he had played him just Trevor one Lawrence, game. yeah, Trevor Lawrence is going to be the quarterback. I know you've worked your butt off here. I know you've played your heart out, and I know you love it here, but I. We're, we're going with the other guy just because he's more of a big play and he fits our scheme better. And, I mean, you can act like you get slapped in the face, but you got to understand that's that's big of that yeah. coach to say, hey, we're doing this now instead of waiting until next week where we definitely have a good backup in case something ever happens. I mean, now they're going to another backup who doesn't have the kind of playing time that Kelly Bryant does. 
So, with that, let's hear your top five transfers. All right. So, I'm going – number five is a school that I've been hearing a lot about. I don't think he ends up here, but I'm putting it here just because I keep hearing it so much, and that's Arkansas. And the biggest thing I keep hearing is because Chad Morris is the guy. He was from Clemson. And, and I get that to an extent, but he wasn't at Clemson when Kelly Bryant was there. He, he Kelly Bryant came in the year after – Chad Morris left, so I guess I could see that a little bit, but uh, I really don't think he ends up at Arkansas, but it is in the top five. Number four is Florida. I think Florida's kind of in that situation. Damn. I, I, I feel like I, I know I'm, I'm jumping the gun on your destinations here, but I feel like Florida and Oklahoma are the two schools that yeah, always... Bro, I, bro, I said I was bro, jumping the we're gun. We're getting there. We're getting I, there. I, but listen to me. I feel like those are the two schools you hear of quarterback transfers going, and they either rock the socks off of people there or they just bust. And other than those two, you don't just see it a whole lot of schools taking in. A, especially, I mean, you got to understand, a school's got to take a take a risk on him for only one year. So, go on with your Florida. Bro. I'm sorry. I, you, I just If you ever cut my top five like that again, we're going to have problems. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> at number five is Florida. And the reason I'm going with Florida, Dan Mullen, Number four, he done got me so off track, I don't even know what number I'm at now. Dan Mullen's the quarterback whisperer. You know, look at his resume with quarterbacks. And he's even made Felipe Franks look good this season. And that was a guy I didn't even think had any sort of future. I didn't think that dude was good at all. And I don't think he's the answer at Florida either. But their their freshman, Emory Jones, is the answer. I'm going to uh, cut you off one more time. Just because we don't have it on our docket for information today, um... Let me hear your prediction on this week's game for Florida. It is on the docket for information today. Okay. Well, I'm sorry, guys. I'm an idiot. So I'm going to go to number three now because he keeps interrupting me, and that would be Penn State. And this is one of the teams that I think could be a <laughs> national – he could go and compete for a national championship. And I'm going with Penn State because, obviously, Trace McSorley is gone after this year. So they've got the red shirt freshman Clifford, and they've got – Tommy Stevens, and I keep hearing that Tommy Stevens is going to be the guy. I don't really, I mean, I don't really know. Welch is making a weird face at me. I don't really know what it is. <laughs> That's funny. So uh, we're not going to talk about it on there, though. But, but uh, Tommy, I keep hearing that Tommy Stevens could be the guy after Trace McSorley. I don't really know. So I'm, I'm going to leave that up in there because I haven't seen that to be a bit. But at number two, I have Welch's prediction of where he'll land up and that is the Oklahoma Sooners. It's pretty it's pretty well thought of that Kyler Murray's going after this year no matter what happens because he signed a huge major league baseball contract. Um so that leaves them with the backup whose name is escaping me in my moment, but he was in the quarterback battle with Murray. Yeah, I, I and can't. then the true freshman coming in, uh, Spencer Rattler, I think is his name. I, I think so and I don't know the backup's name either. But I, and just in the past, I mean, you've seen Oklahoma take in transfers like Baker, and they just they seem to handle a guy that's got to learn the offense quick and get him into the get him into the offense just really well. So I, I'm not saying that I think without a doubt that's where he's going. I just think that's the best place for him in the mind that he's got one year. I mean, he can go in the rest of this season and kind of start learning, but I think it's the best place for him to learn quick, learn fast, and have a shot to start with Kyler Murray leaving. So with that being said, I'm going to let him finish what he has to say about Oklahoma and then give you his number one destination for Kelly Bryant. Well, you pretty much hit the 
nail on the head. You know, I, I gotta start talking so fast. Stop talking yeah, so fast. You're, you're doing like I normally do when we do this. Like, I'm, maybe I should get a sign that says slow down. Well, I got so much stuff that goes on in my head. I'm trying to get it all out at once. That's why you should write it down on paper and have notes like a normal human. But, but whatever. Okay, so my number one spot is the spot that I think he'll go to, but... And I Welch, hope he doesn't. Welch doesn't agree with and hopes he doesn't, and that is the Auburn Tigers. So it's widely thought of that Jarrett Stem's going to be gone after this year, which kind of leaves Auburn in a bridge year because they've got Malik Willis... Um, Malik Willis, Bo Nix coming in as the true freshman. My boy, who is going to start, even if Kelly Bryant goes there. And Joey Joey Gatewood, who's also f- freshman. He'll be a redshirt freshman next year. That cat looks like a linebacker. <laughs> we haven't really we haven't really gotten to see him. So the reason I want to bring in Kelly Bryant, I think he would be a good fit. Me and Welch are both on the Bo Nix train. We've both seen him in person, and we're both absolutely blown away by his performance. But with that being said, I think it, I don't think it would hurt to bring Kelly Bryant next year as a bridge quarterback because do you really want Bo Nix to come in and start right away as a true freshman? You know, that could have some dire consequence. It could go really well, but it could also not go very well. You never know. And I think Kelly Bryant is a guy that would fit well in Malzahn's system. It would go back, The system would have to go back to the way it was with Nick Marshall. But I think if they could bring it back, it could be very successful like it was with Marshall because when I look at Bryant and I've watched his film, I watched a lot of it today after he made his transfer decision, and he just reminds me of a Nick Marshall, a taller Nick Marshall. May, actually, it may be a little bit better of a passer than Nick Marshall. I would hope so. But with that, we're going to move on just so I don't have to talk about it with him. Um, so number well, – I don't I guess I don't have to tell you all the numbers of our stuff. Sorry about that, guys. You know, this is a little new to us still, so bear with us. There, there will be some stuff like bad quality of sound because we're in a little rinky-dink studio I have set up. But um, the hey, next thing on our – Make fun of our studio. <laughs> <laughs> the next thing on our list, I've got Kentucky football. Are they finally relevant? You know, they got Benny Snell Jr. Um, does Mark Stoops finally have it figured out? And 4-0, the last time they were 4-0 was 2002, and they were banned from the playoffs that year. I mean, I think they look pretty good. I don't know what your opinion is. I know you think they're going to lose this week. But I just feel like Kentucky has got it really just going on right now. they got a good running back. They got a good offensive line who I I don't know what everybody else's opinion is on it, but I think they have one of the best offensive lines in the nation. Um, and I, I know this is definitely biased because I'm an, I was an offensive lineman, but I just feel like if you've got a good line, whether it's offense, defense, or both, that that's – Main, that's the main thing to having a playoff contending team. Because if you don't have a line to block for you on offense, you're not going to get anything done. You have to throw it too quick, you have to run the ball, and you're not getting any yards. A defensive line, I mean, if you're not getting any pressure on the quarterback, he's going to throw it downfield every time and he's going to complete his passes. So, I mean, to me, I, I just feel like Kentucky's doing really good. All right, Auburn running back struggles. Oh. The great topic. <clears throat> what is wrong with Auburn's running game? I mean, it's crazy to sit here and ask that because we've become – and I guess that's part of the problem. We've become so spoiled that no matter what Auburn's problems were, they were always going to find a run game. Like, it didn't seem – in these past five years, it didn't really seem to matter how bad it got. They always had a run game. But, you know, maybe that's the issue. You know, we've gotten used to that. And we came into this year, they lost four offensive linemen off last year's team and they lost their best running back. And I, and I will admit this. 
I don't think I gave enough credit to how good Carry On was. I I knew Carry On was pretty good, but what you said, they lost four offensive linemen. I was honestly, I thought that was the best thing that could happen to Auburn because last year's offensive line just looked pitiful. Um, and this year, I mean, it's 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 strides better than it was last year, in my opinion. But it's still not where it needs to be to have that just excellent run game. Um, but with that, I also feel like I think we're at a situation where we've got a young offensive line. We don't have any playmakers on offense either. It doesn't seem like after at, the LSU at running game, back. At running back, you know, Ken Martin came in. He was, and that's kind of always. We've had a thousand yard rusher for like nine or ten years in a row. Eleven years, actually, I think. I don't know. It's somewhere around there. But uh, we, there was every time that we lost one, there was always that next guy. Okay, well, this year that next guy, the only guy that with experience was Ken Martin, and we both knew that that was. And he's just he he's fine as a change of pace or as a third down, but he is not an every down back. He's not big enough. So when you take away Cam Martin, what does that leave you with? It leaves you with redshirt freshman Bibby Whitlow, who's never played running back before. He was played quarterback in high school, and that leaves you with two true freshmen in the little five foot four guy, Aza Martin. Not he's not the five foot eight guy. That's Sean Chivers, and you got well, I really Martin. like because he has no neck. Now, Sorry. I think all three of those freshmen are talented. You've also got Harold Joyner, who's probably not going to play. He's going to redshirt. But you've got, I think, Martin, Shivers, and Aza Martin. Shivers and Booby Whitlow are all talented, but they're all freshmen. And so you're counting on three true, three freshmen and a makeshift offensive line that's got to improve to lead your running game. It just takes time. Um, and with that, we're going to kind of move on to the full team struggles that I think Auburn's having. And my main issue with Auburn going right now is the penalties. The penalties are killing us. Um, that last drive against LSU, we pretty much gave them the entire field on penalties. Uh, right now, Auburn ranks 122 out of 130 teams in penalties with 9.3 per game. And that's just – that kills a team. When you when you can't get a complete drive, you can't stop a drive because every time you get a third down or a fourth down, I mean, you're just giving them the ball. I mean, there's not much you can do with that. And I'm, I'm not sure what Suggs' opinion is, but I think that right now is the biggest struggle. I'm not sure that the whole team's there. I think we need a bunch more playmakers in general. Because I think that's always been kind of Auburn's thing. It's big plays, big plays. But have we seen a big play really this year? Schwartz. The big plays big plays need to happen more. And they're, I feel like they're going to come. Um, like I said, the offense is just young. It just needs to get better. I mean, we came into this year looking at it. It was going to be big because Stidham was back. But when we looked at it, really, there wasn't every, – everybody around Stidham was not back. And so I think – but to go to your point, penalties is something that needs to be fixed now, and it can be fixed now. It's ridiculous the amount of penalties that they're having. And it costs them the game against LSU. They Without should. a doubt. So that needs to be fixed now. Offense is going to – it's going to come along. The offensive line, the running back, it's going to come along. It'll be fine. You know, but the I, penalties, that the, needs the to be penalties, fixed The penalties, I don't even know how much that is on players. Like, I feel like that has a lot to do with coaching. Because you can coach a team out of penalties. Because a lot of stuff just looks like stupid things that. But I mean, it's so new, it's rare. I mean, we've never had this problem. Yeah. At, with, I don't know. I felt like towards the end of last year, we started getting a little more penalty. I don't want to say penalty. We had a problem last year with turnovers. Yeah. Some costly turnovers in the in that Georgia game, and especially in the UCF game. Ooh, I don't even want to talk about those. Um, so with that, do you have anything else you want to say about armor struggles? All right. Or so we're gonna do our little last segment of college football before we move on to the NFL. 
So uh, we're doing uh, college football spread locks of the week. I'm going to let Suggs do his top three first. I think we should go back and forth instead. Three, three, two, two, one, one. All right, go. All right, so my third lock of the week this week is Clemson and Syracuse. Clemson is coming at this minus 25 and a half. And Syracuse, if y'all remember, last year was the team that upset Clemson at home on a Friday night when Kelly Bryant got knocked out with a concussion. So Clemson coming in here, minus 25 and a half. Welch doesn't think they cover. I do. I think he's leaning more on the the transfer stuff is going to be a little bit of distraction. I think it's going to be the opposite. I feel like they're going to come well, out with Trevor Lawrence like, and they're like, just going to light it like up. Like I said earlier, I do believe. See, I thought it was going to be at Syracuse. I forgot that it was at Syracuse last year. I think that they have a really good chance of covering it now. But before, if it had been at Syracuse, I think Syracuse would have kept them from the twenty-five. I don't think they would have won, but I think they would have kept it. Um, Ohio State by four and a half over Penn State is what I have down as my three spot. Not as quite as confident now after we've talked about Ohio State, Penn State, but I still feel like it's going to be a six, seven point game to Ohio State in my opinion. Um, but two. I'm going to go with Texas and Kansas State. Texas is coming at this at, coming in at this at minus eight and a half. It's amazing what a few weeks will do. I mean, after week one, we were thinking, oh my goodness. Tom Herman needs to go. Texas is awful. But now here we are after a big win against USC and a big win against TCU. Texas is looking like a whole different ball team. And Kansas State, I've watched them. I watched them play against Mississippi State. They are not a good ball team. I like Bill Snyder. I respect him. But their team this year is not good. Texas is at minus 8.5. I think they're going to cover that. That's a lock. You can bet bet money on that if you want to. Uh, Number two for me is WVU, minus 3.5 over Texas Tech. Uh, Coming into this season, I was a big doubter of Greer quarterback at Western Virginia. uh, West Virginia. And um, I don't know, after watching him a few games and kind of just analyzing how he does, I think he's probably one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now, in the nation, I guess, not the league. So I, I think that's a definite I'm lock. Minus three and a NFL half. Lately. Yeah. Minus three and a half over Texas Tech. I, I just don't think Texas Tech has a chance. So. Coming in on my number one spot, we've got one of the games I'm more interested to watch this week, Mississippi State hosting Florida. Dan Mullen returning to Starkville. Mississippi State's coming in at this minus seven and a half. So we're looking at this like Mississippi State last week, big loss to Kentucky, 28 to seven. They did not look like the team I thought they were. And Florida, Florida got beat by Kentucky. Here's And that's what, it, it's like I said, it's amazing what a few weeks, when we were thinking they lost to Kentucky, oh my goodness, what's going on with Florida? Now it just looks like Florida got beat by a good team. I would just a like close to put game. on the record, I didn't think that. I've always thought Kentucky was going to be pretty good this year. They lost a close game to a good team, a team that beat Mississippi State by three touchdowns. So we're this is going to be a revenge game. I'll you be know. completely honest. I completely forgot that Dan Mullen was at Florida. Yeah, that, that's real, and that's that, what makes that's, this game so that, interesting. Is it at Mississippi State? It's at Mississippi oh, State. Boy. And here's what – a lot of Mississippi State fans – I don't get this, and if you're a Mississippi State fan, I'm sorry, but I think this is dumb. A lot of Mississippi State fans view Dan Mullen leaving Mississippi State for Florida as a lateral move. They've even named – they had apparently they had a, a Sunday, an ice cream Sunday in Starkville at some shop that was called the Dan Mullen. They now called it the lateral move. I think that's the dumb, dumbest thing in the world. If I'm No offense to Mississippi State. He did a lot of great things there. But if you're asking me if I want to go somewhere that I can Florida's win a national championship, a do I want to go to Mississippi State, Starkville, which is in the middle of nowhere, or do I want to go to Gainesville, Georgia, Gainesville, Georgia, Gainesville, Florida, and coach at Florida? It's not a tough decision. And like I said, I'm probably going to catch some backlash from that. But it's just what it is. With that being said, 
Mississippi State's coming in at this minus seven and a half. I pick Mississippi State to win this game, and I think they will. But I'm going with Florida to take the cover. I think this is going to be a really close game, so I'm going with Florida to take that cover. All right, so my number one, I'm actually really excited to watch this game after last week. Um, Stanford plus six over Notre Dame. Um, uh, when I looked at this and I wrote it down, they were plus six. Uh, they have the, actually now dropped to minus plus, five and a half. Yeah, Notre Dame is minus five and a half now. So they've already moved half a point, and it had only been like three hours since I wrote it down. So by the time the game comes around, it might not be an upset anymore. But I think Stanford's definitely going to win that game. Um, after last week with Oregon, that's a tough game. They came in there. It was close. Uh, they came out with a win. But Notre Dame, to me, they just don't look like the team that – I feel like every year they get pumped up, pumped up, pumped up. But, heck, have they ever done anything good? I mean, what – Alabama National Championship? Notre yeah, Dame's just that team to me that I feel is, like they're this garbage. This is coming from a guy – not me, me, not Welch. That you know, Welch knows this. Notre Dame is one of those teams I like to root for. I like their history behind Notre Dame. I agree with him. I don't buy the Notre Dame hype. I don't see where it's coming from. I thought last year they might have a good team, and they had it okay. They ended up they were number three when they got railed by Miami, and ever since then I've looked at them as not a good team. And they lost so much from last year. I didn't really understand where the hype was coming in this season. I still don't get it. I'm going with his pick, uh, Stanford. He thinks a lot more highly of Stanford than I do, but that being said, I've picked against Stanford the last two weeks. I'm not doing it again. <laughs> yep. he, he says that I picked Stanford a lot higher than he does, but not really. Just um, our top five after week four, I've got Stanford in my five slot just because I think they've had a pretty tough schedule. They've played really well. They've had one really tough game that they pulled out. So I just believe they deserve that spot over the, the rest of the crew right in there. So with that, we're going to move on to the NFL now. The NFL, the league. Um, We've been watching. So if you can tell, I've got Suggs real hyped up on the NFL now all of a sudden. Uh, NFL Baker Sunday, Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, Cleveland Browns, NFL Sunday ticket. They we'll do it that to, to somebody. Him. So, uh, they threw it to him. <laughs> they threw it to him. Dude, we, we've got Baker coming up in a minute, okay? So, our first topic in the NFL is going to be the Lev Bell trade. When, where, and what for? Levy on Bell. So, in my opinion, right now, I feel like today he came out and said that he's going to play this season. He doesn't know when. He well, he's know got to. And then James Harrison came out today and said something that I just totally do not agree with. So, on ESPN today, they weren't allowed to play it. So they had to read it out. And um, James Harrison came out and said that he needs to go back to the team right now, practice all week, and then fake an injury on Saturday and not play on Sunday and do that every single week for the rest of the season. Now, let me just tell you, that right there is the worst teammate I could ever think of. Just go ahead and quit. Retire. Do whatever you need to do and come back next year if that's what you're going to do. But don't come out and be that bad of a teammate, man. Those guys, they bleed for you. You bleed for that city. It's Pittsburgh. Well, and coming from a Cleveland fan that hates Pittsburgh, I know Pittsburgh has some of the best fans in the NFL. But and and If Le'Veon wants to be eligible for free agency, he has to report to the team they, uh, November 15th, I think. I, so he's going to play this year. Yeah, without it, a doubt. And he said that today that he's going to play. And that was James Harrison's answer. Hey, you need to come play but get hurt or fake an injury so they, don't have, they can't play you. And I just don't agree with that. So my first spot um, – Colts is one of my favorite teams, and I really – they need a running back. Um, they, they've got to have somebody back there with Andrew Luck just to open up some pass game for him. So I think that would be a great, great trade. I don't know who they would trade. I'm thinking 
some defensive players. It's got to be draft. Right I think it's now, more draft picks. Draft picks and defensive players because right now the Steelers' defense isn't looking all that hot. Um, who, who do you got? Okay. Um, and then I've got uh, – We're saving my pick for the last because it's the best. Not really. It just kind of leads it to I the heard, next, the next I topic. I heard this today, and I'm not saying that I believe it. But it was on the Will Kane show, and he was talking about what he thinks the Love Bell trade situation should be. And I honestly, I can see it happening just because of the owner, um, the Cowboys. And Ugh. yeah, so he's thinking right now. If you, oh, if you, they've got Zeke. Listen to me for a minute. This I'm going to give you the explanation he gave. Right now, the Cowboys. Who do they got to throw it to? Dak's not playing good. So just imagine, right now, Belichick's already said two back teams are the hardest to defend. Just imagine Lev Bell and Zeke Elliott in the backfield together. All right, so first off, I don't see that going Lev Bell's biggest problem isn't just money, it's the amount of carries he gets at the Steelers. So if you got Lev Bell and Zeke, they're right there. It's going to have too much. Is that what he's, uh, he gets too many carries and not enough money for the amount of carries they're asking him to do. Gotcha. He had almost. 400-something carries last year. There's carries or touches because he gets a ton of touches, I mean, but he gets it from passive and running and – Carries, running. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I think it could happen just because I feel like Jerry Jones is the type of guy that picks the players out and gets who he wants and thinks it's going to be a star-studded thing. Uh what for? Honestly, Jerry Jones could come up with the money to do whatever he wants to do somehow, some way. He's crazy. Uh, I don't know how. But with that being said, that's just my off the wall where I think he could go. You th- There's, you think Jerry Jones is just gonna send him a huge thing of cash like here? Heck, he might, man. He might bring out a hundred million out of his back pocket and hand it to him, cash. But uh, Jerry Jones, please don't sue me for using your name in this because I really can't afford it. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, with that being said, we're going to go to our – we both have this pick down. I'm, I'm going to let you go to it. Um, so, this is the team that needs him the most, in my opinion. I'm not real sure what your opinion on it is, but I'll let Suggs go into it because he looks giddy like a little horse over here like when Baker caught the pass the other night. So, go Tampa ahead. Tampa Bay Bucks, man. That's where he's going because that's who needs him. I mean, when I but what are they going to give for him? That's what I. That's kind of where I'm at with the Colts too. Pittsburgh it's, is in a situation where they just got to get something because let, he's gone out of the way. Yeah, but and I, I feel it's not going to be players. I feel like it's going to be more draft picks. Yeah, no, that's where I was at until the other night. Um, I just don't feel like James Conner against the, the Buccaneers was able to. To keep it going for him. Right. He did all right, but I don't think he did anything like what they need. Especially with Big Ben, what, his age, and him deteriorating. There, there's a lot of teams out there that have options they could trade for him, but I, I don't, don't know, know. But what team that wants a running back that needs left belt at running back is going to have a running back that Pittsburgh wants? And see, that's not even my whole problem with left belt right now. I'm kind of at the point, what team really wants to deal with this? You know, because he's kind of always been that guy who barely starts, you know, the season, always kind of has something going on. So... But we both think the Bucks are going to be his top trade spot. I well, I know. just look at – I watched the Buccaneers Monday, and that was really my first chance to really sit down and yeah. watch them, not highlights. And I was watching. I, I really liked what Fitzpatrick did in the – I know he threw some interceptions, but, I, you know, I watched what he did in the offense. They've got some great weapons on the on the receiver. They need a running back. Peyton Barber, and I hate saying this because he's, he's an Auburn man. He's an Auburn grad. But Peyton Barber's not cutting it. He's coming in at just a little bit over two yards a carry this season. 
that's not getting it done. They it was it. They were trying to run the ball. It wasn't working against Pittsburgh. They a guy like Le'Veon, if Bell in that offense, if it continues to click like it's clicking right now, it could be dynamic. So yeah. I'm just looking at that. If Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay right now looks like a Super Bowl contender, now Fitzpatrick could fizzle out, and that could and the offense could fizzle out. But if they keep playing like they are right now, adding Le'Veon Bell can make them a true title now, contender. Now on that scenario there, while we're talking about Tampa Bay Super Bowl contenders fizzling out and all that good stuff, um, our next topic is going to be the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback situation with Winston back. Um, today Winston came out, uh, had a little interview, and he apologized and. All this good stuff, and he he said he understands his role and his men behind Fitzpatrick. And one of his main things he said that I really liked, which I'm almost 100% positive, Fitzpatrick's still the starter. That's what I thought was going to happen because I think he earned it so far, even with the three intercepts the other night. 400 yards of passing. I mean, you can't just take that guy out three and one. In the past six games, each of them, in the past 12 games, they both played six. All right, Winston's one and five. Um, Fitzpatrick's four and six, four and two. So, I mean, it's hard for me not to go with that guy. But, but um, famous Jameis come out and said, I mean, he's been in the league for 14 years. I mean, obviously there's a reason he's been in the league. He might not have been the best quarterback. And, I mean, he gets a lot of heat for that. He always makes mistakes and does stuff. But this year, it might have took him 14 years to finally realize what he needed to do. And I think he's finally figured it out. Granted, I think he's still going to make those little mistakes every once in a while, but even Tom Brady makes those mistakes sometimes. I, it doesn't matter how good you are, you're going to make mistakes. And I think he's limited to an amount now that he can be a great quarterback. Here, now when I said that Fitzpatrick is not the answer long term. And when no, I say that. No, and, and Jameis is still the franchise quarterback yeah. they're looking for for the future. But now they've got a quarterback that's good enough, mm-hmm. and that's old enough, it's a veteran. He's been around a lot of great guys, a lot of great coaches, a lot of great teams that can get Jameis in the right character, get him out of all the stupid things he does, you know, teach him what you have to do to be a great NFL quarterback now. Because. Like Jameis said, there's a reason Fitzpatrick has been in the NFL for 14 years. And the only way Jameis is going to be in the NFL that long is if he learns a little something and learns how to grow up, you know, realize that that team – and quit eating W's, man. Ain't nobody want to be on the team with a guy that's sitting out there eating W's before the game. Talking about Fitzpatrick, though, like I said, he's not the answer long term, but he is the answer this season. Like you said, 400 yards passing each each game this season. And I watched him against Pittsburgh, and a lot of people came from that away. Like, he threw three interceptions. He made some bad plays. Okay, well, Chris Godwin also had a fumble and dropped two pat- touchdown passes in the end zone. We ain't talking about him. He was just – I mean, it was a team loss. And, yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick threw three interceptions, but one of them was not his fault. And the other two may have been bad plays, but he brought them back. And they had a chance to win. And he threw some great passes. He did some great things. This is the NFL. You don't win every game. Okay. Now Only speak- one team has ever done it. Okay. You're going to lose. Now, speaking about one team that's ever done it in the NFL, greatest teams win every game, the Patriots now. All right. I get it. I understand. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I've rooted for the Patriots before. I hate them, but I've rooted for them. I, I mean, they've got Tom Brady, Bill Belichick. I mean, you can't not root for them occasionally. But this week, they are – a minus seven to win over the Dolphins, who are three and zero. That just blows my mind. I get it's the Patriots. I get Bill Belichick's a crazy man that's going to figure out some way to win something, even if he figures out how to get thirteen guys on the field at one play. But the Dolphins are three and zero, man. Ryan Tannehill's not the greatest quarterback in the world, but he's figuring it out. I mean, he's making plays. He's out there doing things. They've got a good team in Miami. It's at Miami. 
I just don't understand how you can put them as a seven-point favorite over a team that got beat by the Lions, man. The Lions might be the worst team in the NFL. Granted, they've got one of the best offensive linemen line I have seen in a long time. And I'm not going to take anything away from it. Congrats, carry on for the over 100 yards first time since 2013. War Eagle. I mean, War Eagle. Hey, keep playing your video games, man. We love you to death around here. So... With that, I don't know what your opinion is on it. I I can I can see them coming out and winning, but there's no way they should be that much of a favorite already after last week. I don't really have an opinion. <laughs> I, I figure. I think everything everything. I think he's just I more excited. Just, he's just more excited about our next topic, which is Baker Mayfield's first start versus the Raiders. Cleveland, but Cleveland, man. Baker, oh, I didn't think it was going to come this soon. I really didn't. See, I'm like a kid okay, on Christmas. See, this kind of hurts me a little bit. you got to understand, he has never really been the huge NFL fan. So I've I been have a, to have two. Okay, not, not, not since, like this. Not, since not Brett, like this. Yes, I have, just not since Brett Favre retired. Okay, well, let's just say this. Okay, You so didn't know me when I was a Brett Favre. I have been a Browns fan for quite some time. In high school, I wore 73 for Joe Thomas. So I've never really been able to root hardcore for the NFL. So this year, watching Hard Knocks kind of changed my mind, and I started really just putting my my eggs in the basket and decided, whatever, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna put my money on the Browns like I want to, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna believe all of the hype. So, Suggs, finally, Baker comes in, and let's just say when he caught that two point conversion in the end zone, I've never seen a fat man bounce like that before, but it was hilarious. It was the greatest thing I've ever done. Wasn't allowed to tweet that, but I can say it on this. <laughs> I feel insulted. <laughs> but he still won't work with me. Kind of sad. I'm not that. I'm husky. <laughs> We're both husky. It's okay. <laughs> so, uh, well, I'm going to let Suggs go on to this little tangent about Baker for a while and let him talk. First of all, it. I just want to say that I was right. Okay, I just want to, I just want to put that out there. I, I've I've argued with a lot of people that said that Baker Mayfield should have not have been the number one overall. And actually, don't I don't think he should have been the number one at the time. I didn't think he was, should have been the number one overall pick because I thought Cleveland should have could have got him at three and then got maybe Saquon at the top pick, and then that would have been pretty dynamic there. But I think he should have been the number one overall. He deserved it because he's the best quarterback in out of that class. So I just want to say I was right on that aspect. And this coming out, you know, I didn't expect this to happen this soon with Baker Mayfield, but him coming out there, it just it just shows he's the guy. Okay, you told me about this. I'm pretty sure it was you that told me. But uh, was it Colin Coward that said something about him having his phone after the having game? his phone all after right. the game. So this is my thing. You're Baker Mayfield, man. You've got all this hype. You're a rookie. All right, you, you didn't start. You came in for an injured starting quarterback. So I'm not so sure how injured that was, but I'm not going to dog on Tyrod because I think he's a great player, Tyrod, however you want to say it. But you're you're a rookie, man. You just played your first game. You led a team that hadn't won in 635 days to their first win. And of course you're going to have your phone. It's not like he sat there on it during his interviews or anything. He had it on the way over there. You know, every time he had a break, he would look at it. But can you imagine how many text messages that guy just got? It was his first time he was playing in the NFL in a, at regular season game, and he won. Of course. It's the most charismatic player I've ever seen play the game. Of course the guy had his phone. He has family. He has friends. I mean, he knows a lot of people. Don't dog on him. I would understand if he'd have sat there playing on it during his interview, but that is just 
That's wrong. But going back to what he did on the field, I mean, how many times is he going to prove everybody wrong? I really want to know. I, at this point, I feel like he— Why Why was there anybody still doubting him? If Colin Coward doesn't get fired because of Baker Mayfield by the end of, like, the next three years, I'll be highly surprised because I feel like his giant plan is just to go on a vendetta against him. Every time he says he, something He's bad, riding with it. He's, he's going like, to prove him wrong every single time. I mean, undraftable, I mean, man. In, in, even in high school, people didn't think he could be the starter in high school. And that's what he said. In his interview after the game, we sat there and watched it, and he was like, yes, I've, I've played a backup role. That doesn't mean I don't know what I'm doing. It just means I get to soak it in. And, of course, I'm going to play better if I've got ones in there with me. He's played great with twos. <laughs> but, you know, talking about it, you know, he's he's just been doubted his whole life in high school and then he was told that he wasn't good enough to play at a Power 5 D1 school, walks on at Texas Tech, wins the job there, he gets screwed over at Texas Tech, goes to Oklahoma, walks on there, three-year starter, three big 12 championships, first walk-on to win the Heisman, first walk-on to be the number one overall pick, and here he comes in. Cleveland hadn't won a game in two almost two years. Trailing 14 to 0. He comes in with RG3 was the last quarterback to win. Just he think comes about in that, folks. Two minute, less than two minutes left in the first half, down two touchdowns, immediately leads them on a scoring drive. Comes back, catches the two point conversion to tie the game, gets the get laid them on a touchdown drive to win, gets them their first win in almost two years. And now, I mean, and you just you see it in the players. They talked about it. It's like just the energy that he he's the it guy. Now, I understand, I get people said he doesn't have all the intangibles. He's not super tall. He doesn't have the strongest arm. He's not I don't super care. Fast. I don't care. He's a gamer. He's a baller. Wherever wherever you want to say it, the, the dude just wins games. He has that. He has that. He makes everybody around him better. Okay. So with that, I'm gonna actually get into the topic that we have down. So the first star versus the Raiders. Raiders. Okay. Terrible in my opinion. I think Gruden's a terrible head coach. But that's biased as well because I'm a Browns fan. One and one and one. You know, zero and three for the Raiders at Oakland. Oakland's pass defense is terrible. I think this week's a big week for Baker's first start. Okay, Carlos Hyde's not going to get a lot of touches. All right, is going to get some passes, short ones. But Jarvis Landry and Baker Mayfield is going to be your key matchup of the week for me. They are going to show off. Antonio Callaway is going to be covered pretty good because that's the one thing on the defense for the Raiders they have is their number two cornerback is, is lockdown. He's a, just a sleeper lockdown. So I think it's going to be a pretty good week. Um, I'm saying I, 300 look, yards passing. You know, I'm looking at it. The biggest thing he needs to get the win. That's that. You know, it doesn't really matter how they do it. They need to get the win. Uh, I, I, w- I would like to say on your Gruden comment, I don't really know that he should have been. They should have went to him now because I don't know what kind of coach he is now after sitting out for so long. But I will, his first time around with the Raiders and the Buccaneers, he was a good coach. Yeah, and I understand. That. I don't know about now. I mean, he's been so long. I don't. Know I if, just. But the first going, thing he did was get rid of Khalil Mack and Marquise King or Marquette King. I mean, gosh, you just love that punter, don't you? I do. Pat McAfee's my guy, so Marquette King's his guy, so of course he's my guy. But talking about the game, he needs to get the win. That's what the focus is. He, I don't. You said 300 yards passing. Eh, 
don't know. He he might get that. He might not. I don't really think that's big. Here's my here's my great thing about for Baker Mayfield is he doesn't have to come in thinking, okay, I've got to score points and I've got to do all this to get the win. Cleveland's got a pretty great defense. Absolutely. They're leading the league in takeaways by a good amount of margin. They're good. They shut down the Saints' offense, which looks heck of impressive against the, against the Falcons last week. I mean, they they look like a dynamic offense, and Cleveland pretty much shut them down. Cleveland has a good defense, and I feel like they're going to be able to shut the Raiders down. Baker's got to do – don't try to overdo it this week. So your first start. I, I just want to say this. You said you weren't sure about my 300 yards. The Jets have a really good pass defense. Really good. Their leading tacklers are safety. They are, that's just their thing. Baker Mayfield in, what, two and a fourth of a quarter had 201 yards, 17 for 23. I get that's his first game. This will be his first true start. But if he doesn't get 300 yards, I will be absolutely shocked. And he may get it. I, my, my point of view is I don't feel like he has to have an amazing game. He just got to go out. Don't make mistakes. Don't turn the ball up. This is your first start. Get that first win under your belt, and then and then we'll go from there. Yeah, I think I, in my opinion, I, I think the Browns win by ten, and I think it'll be the first time that they've got a thirty point game. Uh, they were talking about it today. I'm not sure. It's been a long time since they scored thirty points in the game, but I think they hit that mark this week. Um, with that, we're going to move on. Uh, we've got our NFL spread locks. We're going to do just like we did the college spread locks. Three, two, one. You go. All right, my number three lock of the week is actually Cleveland and Oakland. Oakland's coming out this in this game, minus three and a half. I think you can all tell by the way we were both talking, we don't believe Oakland's going to get the win. And so I'm just going to believe it simply as that Cleveland gets – Oakland's got it, minus three. Cleveland gets the win outright. Okay, I'm not going to go anything extravagant on mine. I've got the Saints minus three and a half over the Giants. I think the Giants are terrible. I think the Saints' offense is crazy. I don't think their defense is that great pass-wise. So I think the Giants will actually get some yardage finally with Eli Manning. But Saints definitely three and a half. All right, second one here. I'm coming in at Atlanta and Cincinnati. Cincinnati gets their first loss last week against Carolina. I'm a big believer that the NFC South is by far the best division in the uh, in the NFL, and Atlanta is a dang good football team. They sh- could have beat it New Orleans last week. They didn't. They're going to rebound this week. They're coming at this minus three. No, actually minus five. Uh, I watched a little bit of Cincinnati play Carolina. Wasn't that impressed. I've never been impressed with Andy Dalton. Atlanta with Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley coming along, along with Muhammad Sanu, Julio Jones, plus you got Hooper. That offense is too good. They're gonna they're gonna get that minus five easily, and they're gonna cover. My number two is the Jags seven and a half over the Jets. Um, the Jags, I think Fournette's gonna be back. Uh, it's not for sure yet, but I'm I'm positive. I'm I'm gonna say that I'm positive on it. Uh, don't go take me that for anything. But I don't think the Jets are as good as people tried to make them out to be. Um, the Jags, I, I think this is their year to actually kind of do something. I don't think they're going to make it anywhere significant, but I think they'll have a winning record. So, there's mine. Top pick of this week coming in, Tampa Bay and Chicago. Chicago's coming in at this minus three. I guess Chicago's been kind of like people are kind of riding the train. They should have beaten Green Bay in week one, but Aaron Rodgers And their been. defense is insane. Their defense is insane. But I'm thinking, I'm looking last week, they barely scraped by against an Arizona Cardinals team that I True. feel like is the worst team in the NFL. Tampa Bay is legit. Ryan Fitzpatrick in that offense, I mean, it, Chicago may have a great defense, but Tampa Bay in that offense is going to put up some points. And I don't feel like Chicago's offense is good enough to keep up with them yet. Chicago's somehow getting this minus three. I don't see that happening. Tampa Bay's going to get this outright. 
my final pick, I think it's going to be a pretty good game. Just because the Bills had a big win this week. Big win. I mean, it was just absolutely surprising. Um, 8-0. So, the Packers, minus 10 over the Bills. I don't think there's a chance the Bills can keep it close, but I do think it'll be a good one. They've got a big win coming. It's Aaron Rodgers, though. To me, you can't stop that cat. 10 points over the Bills, whose defense is awful. Nah, go Packers, minus 10. So, with that, that's our NFL spread locks. You got anything else you want to say? At least the last segment, my sucks is top five. Do you want to do it after my fantasy, or do you want to do oh, it Oh, no, 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 yeah, we'll do, we'll do fantasy. Right. So, with that, we're going to move on to my two segments here. Uh, fantasy, start them or sit them for week four. I've got three starts, three sits, and then I've got three sleepers. All right, so my must bench for this week's Fitzpatrick versus the Bears. I know Sokes just went on that tangent about the Buccaneers or whatever, but I think there's going to be some just in his head he's going to be thinking, okay, Jameis is back. He's going to be thinking about that. So in my mind, I guess a good Bears defense, I just don't see him coming out as hot. I think there's a lot better quarterback options out there right now. Uh, My number two is Carlos Hyde versus Oakland. Uh, Oakland's pass defense is terrible, so they're going to be throwing the ball so much. Carlos Hyde won't get that many touches or carries. So, Carlos Hyde's bench. And then Calvin Ridley versus Cincinnati. Um, I've got him slashed with Antonio Callaway for the same reason. Uh, Cincinnati and Oakland both have poor pass defenses, but they also both have one of the best number two cornerbacks in the league that are both kind of sleeper corners, so they don't get to go over that one guy. So I think this week Calvin's not going to have all the hype that people are thinking after last week. I know people are picking him up because he had a huge game, but I think this week's going to be more Julio and Muhammad. So I would bench Calvin. And Antonio Callaway, Jarvis is going to get all the, all the touches to me. So with that, must starts. My first one, Baker Mayfield, I'm biased. I think he's going to have a great week this week against Oakland, passing the ball, a lot of touchdowns. I think Aaron Rodgers, I mean, if you have Aaron Rodgers on your in your league, available, go ahead. Here's the question, though. Does Baker catch a touchdown? No. So, Dang. number two is Aaron Rodgers. If you have Aaron Rodgers available in your league or on your team, if you don't start him every week, you're insane. So, number three, Giovanni Bernard, running back for Cincinnati. Um, I don't think Atlanta's – Run defense is as good as they as they have been. Um, I think their pass defense is pretty good, so Cincinnati's going to have to run the ball just to be able to open up some passes. So I think Giovanni Bernard's going to have a pretty good week this week, if not the best week out of running backs in the league, just because it's not a big running back week. Uh, my sleepers for the week, my first two really aren't sleepers, but I put them down as sleepers. Leonard Fournette, because I think he comes back this week after not really getting touched the ball this year. Um, I think he'll have a big week. Uh, Jarvis Landry, I've got him down as a sleeper. He's done pretty well so far this year, but last week he he didn't really he didn't really show out to that potential that he has. And this week I think he's going to explode with Baker in there getting them the ball. And number three, another Brown, David Njoku. All right, David Njoku hasn't shown much this far, but the Raiders haven't played a team relying on tight end. So look for Njoku to come out, come through with Mayfield for a short score or two. And I've got a fourth sleeper on here just to slash with the Joku's carry on Johnson this week. After last week, big game, I think the Lions are starting to realize that they've got to rely more on carry on, less on blunt. So I think he'll get more carries, which means more yards, which means more points. 
And with that, we'll move on to Suggs' top five for the NFL. Suggs' top five. Don't give me this segment. It's much fun. Uh, we've already done one I did earlier with Kelly Bryant's top five transfer destinations. This one is going to be my top five teams in the NFL after week three. Now, just to prefer, pre, pre, preference this? No. Preference. Preference. This is not who I think will be the top five at the end of the season. This is just who I think is the top five right now. So coming in at number five is a team I've already talked a whole lot about, so I'm not going to talk too much about them this time, as Tampa Bay. I really like Fitzpatrick with that offense. Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson, Chris Godwin, and O.J. Howard. That's a really dynamic passing attack. If they find a little bit of a running game, it could be even more dynamic, but still. And that could probably jolt them up to maybe even a higher spot. For right now, I'm going to keep them at number five. Number four is the Atlanta Falcons. They're the only team on my list with a losing record. That's coming against the New Orleans Saints, which I'll talk about them in a minute, and the defending champions, the Eagles. I I was a big criticizer of Steve Sarkeesian and his play calling, but it seems like they finally figured it out. They're scoring a lot in the red zone the past two weeks. I just have one question. Are they finally going to get a touchdown from Matt Ryan to Julio again? I'm so tired of having Julio on my roster and not getting touchdowns. No. I, I, I'm a, Talk to your boy. Get him to throw some <laughs> balls to Julio besides 20 in the red zone. Ain't nobody on that team, my boy. I'm just going to put that out there right now. I was just kidding. <laughs> but I do like what I saw against them against the Saints. I mean, you're talking about a passing – obviously we've seen what Matt Ryan can do. You're talking about a passing attack that's got Julio Jones, Muhammad Sadu, and now you're adding Calvin Ridley. Let's just hope if they make it to the Super Bowl they don't lose again like that last time. Well, that would be even worse because the Super Bowl's in Atlanta. Oh, boy. But, like I said, I've been, been a big criticizer of Steve Sarkeesian as the play caller, but he finally seems to have figured it out a little bit. So, I've got him in at number four on my team. Coming in at number three is the team that beat them last week, New Orleans Saints. Uh, defensively, I'm not really sure about the Saints yet. I'm still watching. I'm still, But offensively, they're about as good as it gets in the league. Drew Brees, even at his advanced age, is still dishing it out. Like, and, and not only not just passing the ball, but rushing. I don't know if anybody saw the highlights last week. He had a great rushing touchdown that tied the game towards the end. He's a baller. I mean, he he just, remi- Baker Mayfield reminds me a lot of Drew Brees. He does. I mean, he just and, and there's been a lot of comparisons to and Drew Brees just goes out and wins. Yeah. And he's got great. Michael Thomas is a dynamic receiver. Uh, Alvin Kamara out the backfield can do it running out the backfield. Welch knows I love Kamara because I love running backs that can do multiple things like that. I mean, that offense just looks great. Their only loss right now is to Tampa Bay, who has another great offense. It was a back-and-forth game. I know Tampa Bay beat them, but I've got the Saints number three above them. Uh, Coming in at number two is my only team on this list that's from the AFC. That's a very NFC-heavy list, and that's the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, as you can tell by this list, I like offensive football because a lot of these teams are offensive teams, and that the Kansas City (laughs) – Defense wins championships, baby. Go Browns. Mm, Whatever. But uh, defensively, Kansas City's not the best, but it's really not mattering right now because their offense is just that good. Patrick Mahomes is looks like the real deal right now, and he's got weapons galore. Kareem Hunt out the backfield, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Kelsey at tight end. I mean, that offense is just clicking, and right now I don't like it's going to be stopped anytime soon. We're going to wait and see how that goes because last year the Chiefs started 5-0 and and they kind of fizzled. But for right now, I got them at number two. And then coming in at number one is the team I feel is probably going to win the Super Bowl because they're the most overall best team in the NFL, and that's the Los Angeles Rams. It's kind of, it feels funny to say that because when they drafted Jared Goff, I thought that was the dumbest decision ever. But it looks like I turned out to be pretty wrong because he is, you know, and that maybe is the Sean McVay effect. But Jared Goff seems to be a great serviceable quarterback. Gurley's the best running back in the league, the best three-down back, at least playing right now because with Le'Veon Bell out, you know, I'm going to say Gurley's the best. 
you got Brandon Cooks, a receiver. You got and you got a defense that's coached by Wade Phillips. That I know Wells has heard me talk a lot about Wade Phillips. He's probably the, one of the best defensive coordinators to ever coach in the league. Coaching a defense that's got guys like. Uh, Oh my goodness! What's his name? It just left me. The only problem. Aaron I have, Donald, Nindama Kinsu, uh, Akeem Talib. I mean, well, first off, I want to say something about that. Akeem Talib just got reported today. He's out for eight weeks. He's having surgery on a high sprained ankle, so that will hurt their defense a little bit. Um, I'm still going to keep the Rams as my number one overall team, and I think you'd agree with me on that. Yeah, I, I do believe because in my mind, defense doesn't win championships, and I think they have one of the best defenses in the league. But also, they have such a such a threat because they can run the ball to open up the pass game, and it's it's so hard to find that in the NFL a team that can run the ball against NFL defenses, and Todd Gurley can get it done. All right. So with that, are you are you through with your top five? So if you've made it this far, thank you for listening. Um, but uh, that's going to be it for today. So we should have another episode next week if we like this episode. But um, if you listen, thank you, and that's it for the day. Bye.